The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Speakers and Cleats, the podcast. Welcome back to the Sneakers and Cleats podcast. It is Friday, September 8th. This is episode 22. I'm Matt Roy, joined by Don Harris and Chuck Mikatinik. 22? Anybody, any, uh... I love 22. I do too. It was my favorite number. Really? Bill, Bill Buckner. That's why I wore 22. Bill Buckner. Yeah. That's not the one I thought was going to come out of your mouth. I mean, Emmett is the greatest cowboy, but... Actually, what came into my head first was bu- was Bullet Bob Hayes, the original twenty two for the Cowboys. Okay, have That's you heard of one. him? I have. We're, you guys got to throw out a name I haven't heard of. Just, just to you know keep but the tradition do, going. Do you know? <laughs> I, I thought about this morning as I was getting in my car to come over, and I knew it was going to be twenty two. The first three numbers that popped into my head were Emmett Smith, Bullet Bob Hayes, and Paul Crew. Paul Crew. Nice. <laughs> Nice I thought reference. you were gonna say. I thought you were gonna say another number. Burt, the Burt Reynolds version. Yeah, I yeah. was gonna say. Was that in the second movie too? No, the first. Okay. One. I was gonna say. Uh, I thought you were gonna say what I had down here was just Paul Krause. Oh yeah. Oh. Paul Krause. Viking, twenty-two Paul Vikings. Eighty eighty-one uh, interceptions. I think the leader for all-time leader in interceptions, Paul Krause. It's a great number. I try to think in basketball. There's not a lot. Rudy Gay was twenty-two for the Spurs recently. Yeah, not but a lot. I of can't great think ones. of great. Uh, 22. I found a lot. I like, I think of a lot of football numbers. I don't think of a lot of, uh, a you lot think of basketball. running backs or D backs? Running backs. Derrick Henry, 22. Yeah. Derrick Henry, King Henry. I can so. see somebody right now rolling over in their grave because they're going to always think of Bill Buckner being number six in Boston. But right. If anybody's listening 22 to 22 with the Cubs. With the I, Cubs. Actually, no, I'm not. I'm just any other great baseballs and tw- baseballers at 22. I don't know why Bill Buckner's the only one that sticks in my yeah. mind. I'm telling you, there's going to be someone who listens to this. And they should. They're going to be yelling at they their, at their there tweet, should be, tweet at me and let me know what we got wrong. There right. should be a lot more because it's a great number. It is. It's a good number. 23, I think, is going to be really easy next Monday. But see, when we were growing up, <laughs> when we were growing up, 23 wasn't a thing. Like Michael made 23. Like he was the first that I can remember that was a decent 23, like a mm-hmm. superstar 23. Yeah. It was always. 33, 32, 30, 12. 34. 34. Well, 34 when I was a kid because of Shaq. This is who I think of when I think of 34. 32 is obviously magic. Shaq was 32 until well, until he couldn't wear it when he got to the LA. Lakers. Yeah, and then he ended up as 34, and they went back yeah. to 32 with the Heat. Walter was 34, wasn't he? Shaq was 33, too. Walter Payton? Wasn't he 34? Walter Payton was uh, 34. That's who I thought of. Thirty-four. I think that's the only thirty-four I can think of. I, I think even of thirty. Know that Shaq changed numbers. If I think of thirty-four, I think of Shaq, just because that was my era. Payton, that was my era. By the way, Walter Payton very fond of Chuck McAtenick. We will not. Is there a story tell here? That story. There's a really good one. We'll have to save it for off camera. He likes Chuck. He likes Chuck. Publicly, he did. We'll like go to Chuck. that grave without one. All right, if you guys. I'll tell you the story. All right, deal. Well, we got a lot going on today. Let's get going. Um, got a full preview of the Cowboys season, what their record's going to be. They're going to win the Super Bowl. I don't know. Uh, they're going to make the playoffs. We'll talk about it. Plus, 
Week two of the college football season upcoming. Some huge matchups in the hopper. We've got Texas and Alabama, Texas A&M and uh, Miami. But first, let's get to UTSA. So UTSA, they lost week one, 17-14. And let's just be frank, they got hosed on the last call of the game. They got completely... I'm not making a big deal out of com- that because they still had another down left. They Houston got did. completely hosed. Okay. But Houston's got fourth and an inch. They're going to get it. They might not go for it. Yeah, okay. Like, I'm not making it. It's not like it was fourth down and it was. Like, I'm like, they didn't play well enough to win the game. Just correct. Saying, they did just, get just putting it out there. They did not play well enough to win the game, except that when they had a chance, they got completely screwed. And the officials called Jeff Trailer and told them that, and they apologized, said they missed it by half a yard. That doesn't help. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't help anybody. Like, the Monday morning report or whatever it and is. And Trailer told me this is what he believes, right? He goes, We got totally hosed. They don't go for it there. They punt. Frank drives us down, and we win the game. Absolutely, he just yeah. he just and led he a, what a he just led what a fifteen play ninety four yard drive that. right before. And that. he should believe that because Frank's got it in his history. I think they did play well enough to win. I mean, if you look at the stat sheet, everything's. If you looked at just the stats, which obviously you can't do, but if you look at it, it's they ran for over two hundred yards in that game. They dominated. I mean, the defense dominated what defense historically has been a pretty good offense under that coach. Defense played really. They well. just didn't make enough plays in the final analysis. But you know, it was just one of those things that's really hard to digest, right? Other than you know, if Frank plays just a little bit better, and I get it. I mean, the guy, what he went through during the off season, you know, he's he's going to do the thing. Yeah, if he's not having to come back from everything that he had to come back from. And, you know, it's just a shame. I, and I hate that he wore it like he did, and it's bothering him the way that he is because it's just a game. It's a non-conference game. Yeah, yeah, you wanted to win. I get it. It's a long season. But, I, you know, a lot of this is knocking off the rust, too. Yeah. And look, I love Frank. You know that. He's my cousin, right? Right. Frank was horrible, and here's why he was horrible. He's had 30 snaps between the final – gun of the bowl game and the opening play last week he didn't play the entire spring because of the knee he didn't play much of the fall here's some insight when he comes to fall camp he hadn't thrown all offseason because of the injuries he threw his shoulder out thought he had a torn labrum and missed another week of fall camp because he was so sore his timing was off he was bad he he missed josh chief so many times throwing it in the dirt throwing it out of bounds way off target he looked out of shape Frank's going to be fine. He's going to play his way back in. He's he was he's been really good this week from what I've heard at practice. Frank's going to be fine. He's going to this going to be good for him because Frank he knows he's he's put like like Chuck said, he's wearing it and he mm. was very apologetic to everybody. Frank's going to be fine. He's yeah. going to be back. They're going to be okay. I'm not worried about Frank. Um admittedly, he didn't play well. He knows he didn't play well. When you go three straight possessions, I think it was three straight throws. Three straight throws. Three straight throws that get picked off in the second half on your first three possessions of the second half. You're probably going to lose that game, and the blame is going to fall squarely on you, fairly or unfairly. They took points off the board, too. A penalty when they lined up over the kicker. They go down. They kick a field goal, and UTSA had lined up over the, the center. So they get a first down, and they score a touchdown. That's the difference in the game, that mm-hmm. penalty. The punter, Lucas Dean, had a really uncharacteristic off day punting. To me, it was the punting, Frank's three interceptions, and that horrible penalty on the field goal, game changer. Yeah, and 
the defense played outstanding. They, I think they limited – I wrote some stats down here. They limited the Cougars to just 4.6 yards per play, 2.6 yards per carry on the ground after losing many of their leading tacklers from last year. So the defense played really well. The defense it by itself played well enough to win. The offense did not. And the other thing on the offense is that the offensive line looked a little bit better than it did last year because they're healthier. But it was kind of glaring the um, uh, JT Clark's absence and Zakari Franklin's absence. I thought they got whipped up front. Uh, the, what I saw, I mean, I know they had they ran the ball for 200 yards. There are a few times protecting Frank, though, where they got manhandled by. And to, hats off to Houston. They've got really good defensive They players. do. And they're, they're a good team. Yeah. Houston's a good you know, team. UTSA should have won that game. But let me ask you guys this. Is Texas State's offense better than Houston's? Oh, I think they look hard to tell. They look like it. <laughs> hard to tell. I mean, obviously, after one game, and you know, you got to believe that these teams are going to make a pretty decent leap between week one and week two. I really don't know. It's going to be a fascinating matchup yeah. on Saturday. I mean, because you really don't know what to expect. I mean, I think we've talked about this all week, right? This is a game that 10 days ago, there's no way. We're giving Texas State a snowball's chance in Hades of winning this football Afterthought. game. Afterthought. Yeah. Now, now you're looking at UTSA's schedule, and you see why, why they stacked their schedule the way they did, right? It's okay. we got a big one to start. Maybe we can catch U of H off, knock them off. Then we're going to lighten the load a little bit and go with Texas State. You know, maybe we don't even like these guys on our schedule, considering where we are as a program. And then we got Army in Tennessee. Obviously, we're you know going to get our feet underneath us again. You know, have a, mm-hmm. a game where we can just kind of work on some things. Now, yeah. all of a sudden, it just changes. Everything changes now. with one week, right? GJ Kenny and seventy-five players on the roster at Texas State were not in San Marcos when they scheduled this game. No, absolutely not. I mean, the jumping forward to that game, God, they look good. Texas State or Baylor looked really bad. I mean, you can look at it both ways, but. G.J. Kenny knows how to coach offense. 27.5-point underdogs is what they were. And they pulled off a victory by double double digits. Was it 41-32 or was it 42-31? 42-31. I keep getting those confused. But they – and they even got like – they even got AP top 25 votes this this week. Texas State did. Like Texas State is getting votes in the AP poll because of how well they played against Tech or against Baylor, which is just insane seeing as where they were a year ago. I mean, it's amazing what GJ Kinney has done now. Obviously, there's a track record, right? Yeah. He's done this two years in a row. Comes in late, changes personnel, finds himself a quarterback he thinks he can work with. And I mean, this TJ Finley kid that he's got playing quarterback, I guess, has had stops at LSU and Auburn. So it's not like you know, athletically, the best of the best didn't see that this guy could play quarterback. And here he is making plays that, I mean, he looked like a magician at times. But it's crazy because he didn't even play well at Auburn. Like, he, he, he left Auburn for a reason and is now at Texas State because he didn't play very well at Auburn. Which is, or he wasn't coached very well. Or, or he, he didn't get the right opportunities. I mean, you know, G.J. Kenny, he's going to put up 50. Right, traditionally, incarnate word, you, you're going to have to score points to beat him. And it's not just that kid. I think they got something like 45, 50 new players. A lot of them are power five guys like Finley. Well, look yeah. what he did with Lindsey Scott. Right, and that's a prime example. So, you know, I talked to him about that. What did you see in Lindsey that was going to be, you know, the FCS Heisman-style quarterback that we all got to see last year? He's like, I was looking for a great athlete, 
a guy who could really run the ball and a guy who had a good arm, but maybe just needs some coaching on nuances on, you know, a ball placement in the hand, you know, how does he spin it? All these things that we could work on, you know, and then teach him the nuance, the nuances of the passing game. But to be able to do that in an off season, essentially, and then be ready to go on week one and kind of unleash the fury. That's, that's not common. I mean, we don't see that in a lot of programs and, now he's done it two years in a row, G.J. Kinney has, and it's super fascinating. And obviously this puts him on a lot of schools' radars with this guy's a miracle worker. Oh, he's on his way just do this. He's, He'll be at Texas State for two years. Yep. And everybody says, you know, you know, well, what if the Bobcats win this week? Their season's already made beating Baylor. I can tell you that as an alum. I yeah. mean, we're excited because all of a sudden we've – Realize we got a football team there again, so yeah. it, it's kind of nice to see. And even if they don't win this weekend, there's at least hope that things are going in the right direction. For sure, I don't think anybody saw. Oh, absolutely, them not. doing what that's they did one of the biggest week. upsets of all time uh, when it comes to the amount, the point spread that was on the game before it. Twenty-seven and a half points. I I don't remember what I saw on Sports Center, but I know it's one of the biggest upsets in FBS history. You would think that that's possible in Week One, though, because. Made they overvalued Baylor and undervalued Texas State. Well, yeah, and it happened a couple of times, like TCU getting knocked off by Colorado. Like that was a twenty-one point favorite yeah. that, that lost. I mean, um, nobody knows who these what Wy- these guys are. Wyoming beating Texas Tech was another big spread that right. that lost. Like three teams right there. I, th- I think I think I saw it was like if you put a money line parlay of all three of those teams, it would have been like a hundred bucks would have won you like fifty thousand because of how bad the odds were. Because those three teams were supposed to kill their opponents, and instead yeah. Texas State, um, Wyoming, and and uh, Colorado come back with the win. Hindsight, but, though, you look at Texas State. That would have been smart to put some money down on them because. Because it's the unknown, right? right? Like, like I thought Dion had a chance going into TCU. Yeah, me too. I thought that spread was way up, way yeah. whack. What was the spread in that? Because I would have thought twenty-one no points, twenty-one, twenty-one, especially with the hype. Yeah, but you I lose mean, Max Duggan, you lose your offensive coordinator, sure. you lose a lot of guys at TCU. But you know, again, they came out of nowhere last year and did great things. So, well, who's to think they couldn't do it again? That said, this weekend, UTSA, Texas State, 12, 12 and a half. Is the yeah. the line as I'm looking at it now? What do, what do you guys think? Do they does UTSA win first? Yes, in the Alamo Dome. Yeah, I don't back see in how the they, dome. I mean, again, but I didn't see Texas State winning last week either. I just think you know if you can ground and pound, keep the other team's offense off the field. Yeah, I, do they cover that spread? I don't know now. Twelve and a half. They win. By, they win by two touchdowns. <sighs> Ten points. Ten points. I think that's fair. I think they cover, but that's just me. I think that Frank is going to come out and play extremely. I can well tell this you week. this: Texas State's going to get a nice sized dose of number four, Kavorian Barnes. <laughs> yeah, I don't doubt that at all. Because um, if you can run on Houston, you can run on Houston. Look, Houston's front four; those are NFL guys. That's one of the best front fours in the country. Mm-hmm. They they can compare to SEC teams. If you can run against Houston's front four. You can run against Texas. Kavorian Barnes is an NFL back. Like that kid's He's good. Beast. That kid is good. He's beast. Um, so it w- either way, whether they win or lose this week, it was a kind of a good week for the UTSA program. Um, Don, you want to tell us kind of? Yeah, they got two million bucks. Uh, Harvey Najem, local philanthropist who normally does not give to athletic purposes. You know, he's a big believer in. Um, 
food, shelter, clothing, children, education. Uh, but he's given big donations to the university before for academics on the education side. And he's got a pretty good relationship with Taylor Amy, the, the president. But uh, Harvey was moved by Jeff Trailer, is moved by Jeff Trailer, is a friend of Jeff Trailer's, and they've built that relationship over the last couple of years. He believes in Jeff Trailer. And so he decided to give UTSA football $2 million because he thinks the football program is the front porch and makes the greater good of the university better. And what's key about this donation is that it is clear that it is to be used at the discretion of Jeff Trailer, not the athletic department, nobody else in the department, for, for whatever he wants to use it for. It's going to immediately help with the recruiting budget, coaches' salaries, nutrition, uh, and the biggest thing of all is Harvey's connected to people like Bill Greehy, Pat Frost, Brad Belden, and some other movers and shakers in town. And I think Harvey's taking this step could lead to people making even larger donations for the indoor facility and others. And it's a million this year, a million next year, right? Yes. Uh, and I think it could be I, – I, I just say this off the record kind of a guess. Off the record on a podcast. It's just a guess. <laughs> it's not a fact. But it's a guess that I think Harvey's million-dollar donations this year and next year could continue at a million a year. Uh, in the future. Do you think that, I mean, what Jeff's done recruiting and uh, getting people to invest in the program is unquestioned. Like he's, he's been half football coach, half salesman for the last couple of years. Do you think that that um, is going to entice him to stay? Cause I think you and I and, and, and uh, Chuck have all be- kind of believed that Jeff has done what he can do almost at UTSA and that he's been a great coach and he's been fantastic, but he's not going to be here forever. Do you think that donations like this and things like this from Harvey can keep him? I've always thought Jeff would be out the door. He turned down Texas tech. He turned down Purdue. Mm -hmm. So he wants to be here. I've always thought, okay, they've done as much as they can possibly do. And then there's something like this happens. And then if somebody comes up with 5 million for, for a indoor and somebody, and that's what trailer got teary this week talking about, like, Every time he doesn't think it's going to happen, somebody steps up. And I think I think there's a chance that he can stay and build something, but it's going to take con- – like, look at Bob Wills. Bob Wills started the NIL, and to keep Frank Harris, basically in a week, they put that thing together in a few days to get Frank Harris to come back one more year. He put that NIL together and started paying a lot of guys like Zakari who left and – they're not paying him anymore, but Kavorian, who had a huge uh, offer from the Pac-12, and Trey Moore, who had a huge offer from the SEC. They put all this together to keep these guys, and then they have this big luncheon a couple weeks ago, and Bob, I think, is going to double his NIL commitment from last year to this year. So uh, the more these things happen, the greater chance Trailer can build something. Every time that I'm out, they pull me back in. It's awesome. <laughs> Godfather Three. <laughs> Ironically, I haven't seen the movie, but I oh, know, but I know that to. line. <laughs> yep, and SMU's leaving, and all their money—they're going to the whatever. AC, what is the new ACC? Oh, I, don't know. I didn't prepare that. <laughs> Nothing says Atlantic Coast like 
SMU. UCLA and <laughs> USC in the Atlantic. UCLA is, UCLA is going to be in the Big Ten. So, Are they? Yeah. Okay. okay. UCLA and uh, USC both going to the Big Ten. Big Ten, okay. Anyway, so um, huge week for UTSA football in a lot of ways. I think that we aren't going to put too much credence in the Houston loss. It was a, not a great showing. However, I think we I think we all think they're going going to kind of oh, write yeah. the write the ship here. Before we move on from Houston, anybody notice the love you blues? <laughs> all right, that they wore 30, 30 seconds from the uniforms are on the Euler inspired they took, uniforms. They took Cougars completely out of the mix and they just went with Houston, and they wore the Oilers old uniforms. I thought it was brilliant. I just, loved it. And I thought it looked cartoonish. I, they, me too. They deserve to lose just because of so, that. So I'm not a huge <laughs> fan of like of teams. I like that they pay homage to like what their previous is in, but what's before them. But I don't like when they completely change their color scheme for a game. Like the Red Sox wear yellow uniforms sometimes That's as their stupid. city connects. Like I don't like yeah. when Houston, a college team, is paying homage to the Oilers, who are a pro team. Like if the Titans wanted to do it, I get it. Yeah, but, you know, I get it. I get it. Anyway, because I, I turned on the game. The Titans are doing it, by the way, I, too. I like, yeah, and that's and that's awesome. I turned on the game, and I was like, who the hell is UTSA playing again? Oh, wait, it's Houston. Why are they blue? Yeah. I do think Navy's in their color scheme, but not baby blue, so I think they kind of got yeah, away with okay. it. They're um, okay. Let's get to the Cowboys. So we'll, we'll go to Cowboys, and then we'll jump back to Longhorns uh, A&M, because I think we've gone 20 minutes and haven't mentioned the Cowboys yet. So... Pro football. This 20-minute podcast every week is 45 minutes. I didn't say it was going to be 20 minutes. We talk too much. This week. Those, the, the, you I know. talk too much. I'm sorry. I'm trying to – yeah, I was trying to just keep it on the down low. <laughs> I was like, we'll get there. We'll get there. It is to kind what? of fun, though. I mean, who thought that we would be doing this, right? I mean, <laughs> you get a chance to air some things out and – Love you, Blues. Other... Love you, Blues. Not on the rundown. So, like when you're talking about all I'm thinking about is Godfather Three. It's like, oh my God, we are living Godfather Three right now in this day and time. <laughs> some would argue, and we could so, go, we could go for another ten minutes on that. We sure could. I try and keep us on the rails, but sometimes I just gotta, you know, back up my right. chair and let everything loose. <laughs> <laughs> let it breathe, yeah. Matthew. So, Cowboys playing the Giants Sunday night. Um, big weekend of. Of football, it's kind of cool how it kind of progresses up the ladder. It's like high school starts and week zero for college, and then full slate of college football. Now full slate of NFL football. Got a lot of headlines coming into this week. But what are your expectations, Chuck? I'll start with you. Going to Sunday night football, uh, Cowboys are favored by a, a field goal, and then in the hook. We've talked about this earlier on uh, Sports Weekly, another show that Don and I do, and I just think the Cowboys are going to kill them. <laughs> I just put it out there. You know, I've been wrong a million times before, but I know historically McCarthy has put a ton of emphasis on division games first. The next emphasis comes on the season opener. They've been scheming, dreaming, doing all kinds of stuff, nuanced, you know, the 66% unscouted looks that he's going to unleash on opening (laughs) night. All the Micah Parsons talk about Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, and then his persona – even talking this week to the press with his head down and talking about not having to have ever cut it loose so far during training camp in the preseason, this guy looks like he's a rabid dog and somebody's going to open up the cage on Sunday night. I think it's going to feed, being on the road, national TV. They've done well against the Giants historically on opening night. 
I just see this thing being a bloodletting. The only thing I'm concerned about, or I should say the main thing I'm concerned about is Brandon Aubrey, the kicker. What are we going to get from this guy? <laughs> you know, from Toronto FC to NFC seems like a big leap. However, I think if your biggest concern is the kicker, I think it's it's pretty well, good. We'll see. Pretty if, good. It, <laughs> if it's a close game and it comes down to it, I mean, you you got to have – most games are decided by seven points or less in that league. So I think the Cowboys win. I think Vegas is always pretty close. You know, I don't think it's a blowout. I think they win close. I think McCarthy struggles a little bit um, calling plays and get back into that groove. So I think he'll get better as the year goes on. Uh the Giants are pretty good. They won six out of the last seven regular season games, made it to the division just like the Cowboys did. Went to the same round, lost to the Eagles. Um, they're pretty good. So I think it's 21-17. I don't think the Cowboys put up a ton of points. I think uh, week one they'll have some hiccups. I do believe in their defense. I think that they could go that this game is going to play out like the Giants win are winning at halftime. What's the over? That's a, I don't have that one down. I have the cut. I, let, give me two seconds. I can look that up. I wanted to say 48 off the top of my head. But I 48. Okay, so I got it way under that at 21-17. Uh, Matt's doing Siri. See? God, even, he's as old as us. He's even talking when he's not on the podcast. I get killed. 46 and a half. Okay. This is the quickest way to look it up. <laughs> yeah, so I'm taking the under. Uh, 46, off, 46 and a half? I'm way off. So it's 21-17, 38 points. And I was thinking 34-13 in my head, so I guess I'd have to take the under. No, you'd take the over. You would take the over, That's Matt. Because I was thinking, you're 47. right, I was thinking 48. So, so yes. I think, I see this playing out as the Giants are up 10-7-ish to 7-ish at halftime. And then the Cow, because it's going to take McCarthy a second to, you know, feel out the game, figure out the play calling, kind of get back into the groove. Kind of like in the first and second preseason games, he had to kind of, you know, figure some things out. And then in the second half, I just think they freaking kill them i think it, i think i don't think the giants score in the second half and i think the cowboys put up three touchdowns so what would that put me at 28 to 10 i think i think they kill them in the second half 28 10 That's 28 right. 10 so 38 yeah. i would take the under as well because i i am I've, i'm drinking the cowboys kool-aid i i hate that i'm drinking the cowboys kool-aid but i'm drinking the cowboys kool-aid this year oh yeah i know but see i'm a recovering cowboys <laughs> kool-aid drinker so many years been burned so many times. I've just, and I do believe in them. I mean, I really do this time. It's head over heart, but it's, you've been scorned so many times. Like when you just said, I think McCarthy, uh, it's 10 7 at halftime, and McCarthy goes in the halftime and kind of has to regroup. I'm thinking, yeah, he's now got to change his whole game plan because Dak's thrown three interceptions oh, the first. <laughs> if, he, if Dak throws three interceptions, they might quit at halftime. Like <laughs> that might be. That's the just, worst case it's scenario. Just, it's just like it's like PTSD, man. It's just like how many times are we gonna? My buddy Craig Miller up in Dallas has this fake book. It's got a book cover and everything. It's on social media. Craig Miller's guide to why you should never buy into the Cowboys preseason <laughs> hype. And it's pretty well thought out about all the reasons of what they've said over the years. And 30 years later, it's the same. So, But they seem to have all the pieces they need they to have, be very successful. They have the best roster they've had in 25 years, in my opinion. Um. I think that the type of season that the Cowboys are going to have, their over-under win total is 10.5. I would take the over. I would too. So would Chuck. And the, I think I would uh, 
we're not in a betting state, but I'm just saying if if you know if those lines were open, I would take them to win the division because I don't think the I, the Eagles' schedule last year was ridiculously easy, and I don't think they're going to have as much um, ease this year. Plus, it's always it's always uh, easier to get to the mountaintop than it is to stay on the mountaintop. So, amen to that, especially in this league when they do base your schedule in accordance to what you did. Yeah, exactly. Did or didn't do the it's, year before. It's asking for parity. Yes. And so I think that their final record ends up somewhere around twelve and five or thirteen and four. I think we're in agreement on that. I say twelve wins too. Twelve wins, yep. and I would. But I think the division is a toss-up, and whoever stays healthy wins. The biggest question mark I have for the Cowboys is their offensive line depth. Like I just don't know how deep they are. I don't. I don't know how how much I believe in all these guys that haven't really played much. Don't have a lot of skins on the wall, as as Chuck likes to say. What is your biggest? They're already the, hurt. Yeah, exactly. And and that's their biggest question is how much depth they have. So, so you guys think over on the win total, make the playoffs? Obviously. Yep. How far? What's the What's the prediction for the season? Losing the NFC Championship game. I hope it's at least that, right? I mean, because I think anything less than NFC Championship is going to feel like a team that didn't fulfill what it could have been. So the wildest thing that I think is going to happen um, for the Cowboys this year, not wildest maybe, but biggest prediction, I guess, is I think that Michael Parsons is going to win Defensive Player of the Year. Well, way to go out on a limb. I, th- I mean, it's, he's plus 550. He's the, he's the favorite. However, I, I don't see any way he doesn't unless he, does, unless he gets hurt. Yeah. I think he's going to have 20 sacks. I think he's going to dominate this entire thing. And then next year, he's going to make a little bit over $34 million because that's what Nick Bosa just got. I think my kids will be debating in 10 years, telling us we're crazy to say LT was the greatest edge linebacker rusher. I mean, I think, I think he's that good. I think he's Hall of Fame. I think he's, you know, the young LeBron coming up on MJ. I think he's better than Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa just got signed to five years, $170 million. Nick Bosa is awfully good, though. Nick Bosa yeah. is good. I'm not saying yeah. this is nothing against Nick Bosa. Right. Nick Bosa is fantastic. So is his brother Joey. Joey is kind of funny looking, but he's very good at football. Um, Michael Parsons is f- fantastic. Michael Parsons is throwing around <laughs> a Hall of Famer in Tyron Smith in the training camp, like he's 325 like, pounds. Like and he's, he's just a, tossing him <laughs> like he's a D three backup. You know who also is fantastic? It's Terrence Steele. Yeah, good for him. Let's talk about Terrence Steele for a second. Five years, I think it was 86 point some odd million dollars for him, 17 million a year on average for the San Antonio product. Like, what can you guys say about this kid? Well, first of all, I think that makes him the highest paid at the end of this deal San Antonio to ever play pro football. I mean, Priest Holmes once got a $40 million contract, but Terrence gets 50 mil guaranteed. So, I, it's, I mean, if you'd ever thought that. Terrence Steele, even as good a player as he is, could you put him in that ilk? I mean, it just goes to show you how much the Cowboys value him. I mean, they put their money where their mouth is on this one. I'm just struck, Matt, by I don't think the kid's ever really changed. I mean, he's he's sturdy as a man, not to mention as a ball player. But, you know, I talked to him during OTAs when he was just in the clubhouse to see, you know, was he worried about – his contract and how all that was going to go and if he had to play under the one-year tender and all that stuff. or He just looked like he was so calm. He just said, no, I, I'm, I'm worried about – he didn't say worried. He just said, I'm focusing in on 
what I have to do today to get better, which is continue on my path for rehab. And the contract stuff to this point has always sort of handled itself. So I'm, I'm not worried about it. He knows that the Cowboys valued him. And I think if there were any fears with him, they allied that pretty quickly to him and made the, the message known that they liked him. He was going to have a place at the table to this degree. Obviously, I don't know that anybody saw that coming, but very impressive and uh, you know, well-earned, as they say. Three months ago, Jerry was talking about, I see him as a swing tackle, right? Because they were going to do Smith and uh, the other Smith. All of a sudden, this guy's the 10th highest paid tackle in the NFL. And to me, what the greatest part is, because I remember Jack Green got up, went, got him at the Combine or years ago, and he was undrafted coming out of Texas Tech. He was fairly unknown in San Antonio as far as a recruit. He wasn't this giant recruit that we all talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because he was like fat and overweight. And I mean, yeah. he was like, I don't remember how much weight he weighed at Texas Tech, but, you know, he's. Always had those feet. Underrated at Texas yep. Tech. Basically, you know, an undrafted free agent hoping to make the practice squad. But this is the thing I said on this commentary that I wrote for, for our other show that we did this morning. He's the guy you tell your kids about because day one, goal to make the team, show up every day, work hard, learn. He gets thrown into the fire his rookie year because of injury. Playing next to Zach Martin, he was awful. He was awful. He was getting crushed by fans for how bad he was. Kept working. Keep working. Later in the year, Zach started saying good things about him. Keep working. Made the roster. Played more. Kept working. Then this thing happens with his knee. Total blowout. We're like, oh, my gosh, contract year. He gets the tender. Keep working. Everybody else goes to Cabo in the offseason. Everybody else goes on vacation. He's like... Us. He has a job. He lives close to the facility. Every morning at 7.30, he punches his clock. Rehab. Keep working. The guys that are there year-round, Coach McCarthy, Jerry, Steven, they see this guy there every single day. A miraculous recovery, really, because he blew out his ACL, MCL, everything, PCL. Yep. He's ready to play. Keep working. The guy gets $85 million. If you would have told me a week ago, that Terrence Steele was going to get $85 million? I did not see that coming. I just – you, McCarthy can't say enough good things about him either. His favorite phrase this offseason has been, that's just Terrence. Like every every question that's asked about Terrence Steele, that's just Terrence. Grown man. Grown yep. man, and he has the attitude of a grown man. <laughs> what did he say about the first day he's there, he didn't even know Terrence Steele was a rookie. He thought the way this guy looks, the way he prepares, he, he thought he was a, a 10-year guy. The way, the maturity that he was exuding even yeah. back when he was a rookie. I just wanted to uh, take a couple of minutes and, and you know, express our, our admiration. Admiration, yeah, thank you. I was going to yeah. say gratitude, but admiration is a better word uh, to Terrence Steele because the kid has played fantastic. He's from San Antonio, um, and, and we're just kind of all proud of him. Selfishly, right? Tough loss. You go into the locker room after a game, you know you can get Terrence Steele and he's going to give you something good. And I feel bad. In fact, I sent him a text after he went down. Obviously, it was a freak accident that, you know, cost him a season last year. But it's like, dude, thank you. I never had a chance to thank you. I hate that the only times I've talked to you have been after losses. And he always makes the time. He's always pleasant. He's able to separate game from being in the clubhouse and talking to the media. 
Just a real sturdy, solid individual dude. dude. And if anybody's going to get paid, glad it could be Terrence Steele to your and point. And guess Absolutely. what? He'll turn it into three hundred million in his post uh, football playing career. <laughs> this is not a guy that's going to go out and buy a Bentley. Right. This is a guy who's going to invest it in a hedge fund. Right. Wasn't it, wasn't what he said after he got the contract. He was like, he might take care of his mom and his dad and his family first, and then he's like, I'm going to be safe with my money. I don't know what you what you mean. <laughs> well, not only that, he he, he said he, who he called was he called his parents first, and then he called his. His financial advisor. Yeah. yeah. So, right after that. Dude, smart. <laughs> smart kid, man. Yeah. But anyway, congratulations to Terrence Steele. And hopefully on Monday we're saying congratulations to the Cowboys for getting the win against the Giants. We'll see uh, We'll see how it all plays out. But I think the Cowboys are going to have a fantastic year. Um, let's get to the Longhorns real quick. Actually, I just got the best text in the world or email in the world. So I was supposed to work on Saturday. I was supposed to anchor the 9 o'clock show for Fox. Because of college football, we have four straight college football games. So I get the Saturday off. Which nice. means I get to sit on the couch and watch college football all day. Nice. <laughs> so I'm extremely excited about that. So let's get to college uh, football. The, the Longhorns. You don't beat... have Spectrum, do you? I don't have Spectrum. <laughs> I'm No, this is 21st century. I stream all my games. I'm going to need <laughs> to pick that? your brain. <laughs> what is that? Vasa Stoss. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I uh, use my in-laws direct tv subscription oh, and wow. oh, <laughs> I, wouldn't wow. be, I wouldn't be on this to call the cops well no i mean i just log in you know, i log in from my phone and i chromecast it to my tv you guys uh, this is speaking in alien language i don't know why i'm saying right. this to you guys longhorns beat rice handily alabama beat middle tennessee by 50 big matchup this week in tuscaloosa longhorns about a touchdown underdog going into this game however neither of them look like world beaters neither of them look great um, I think there was question marks coming in on Alabama's quarterback coming in. There was a lot of question marks surrounding Texas's quarterback and how they were going to look, even though this, the team is absolutely loaded. Their defense looked good. Their offense stumbled and then kind of picked it up in the second half. You guys think that Texas uh, hangs with Alabama like they did last year? Man, I don't know. It's a tough one. I mean, I don't think there's any reason to think that they wouldn't based on what they did last year. And you got to remember, too, that Quinn Ewers went down in that game last year and it was still a one-point game. So – with that in mind, I know it's a new year, but there's no reason to think that if it's a seven and a half point spread, that they're not going to at least be in the ball game for a preponderance of it. Can they win there? I don't know, but you know, again, Alabama hasn't been. They're still number four in the country. Don't get me wrong. Three, but they moved up. Do we look at them? Three, okay. They don't look. Maybe they don't. We don't regard them as we did maybe four or five years ago. But, damn, they're still Alabama. So, you know, obviously a monumental undertaking. And if they win, we're trying to decide what would this be if Texas had won? When, what would have been the bigger game in the last four or five years that they'd won of this ilk? I mean, this would be huge for the this program. This would be the biggest game that they've won since Vince Young was there. That's what I was thinking initially. But they did win the Sugar Bowl in 2019. And that's when Sam Ellinger this probably is, yeah. said – we're back. Texas is back, and I think they're <laughs> one in five against top ten teams ever since. Here's the thing: Alabama's won forty three straight at home against non conference opponents, twenty one in a row overall at home. So even SEC teams don't go into Tuscaloosa. And win. Just Johnny Menzel. Johnny Menzel, that's a, a lifetime ago. <laughs> Just Johnny Menzel, about a decade and a half or eleven years ago, twelve years ago, something like that. Long God. time ago. So, um, so yeah, I think, I think they're competitive. I don't think they win. I think that I think it's spread is six and a half. I would. Say that Texas covers the spread, but they do not win this game. I don't. Texas is a really good team. It would show a lot of maturity from 
everybody on that roster to go into Tuscaloosa and win that game. Even though Bama, you know, I, I don't know exactly know what people think of Bama right now. I know that they are Alabama and they have a good quarterback. They've are very well coached. But they have twelve NFL players. They have <laughs> they have they have eleven <laughs> they have eleven NFL players on both offense and defense. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the the Longhorns probably have the best roster they've had since for sure since the mid two thousands. So I don't I, I wouldn't be surprised if they won. I really Me wouldn't. Neither. They're the eleventh ranked team in the country. They got for a great reason. talent. They have great talent, and it's just about all that talent kind of getting put together. Um. And then the Aggies this week also have a huge game. They blew out. They they're playing Miami. They blew out the Lobos from New Mexico, fifty-two to ten, and Miami blew out Miami, thirty-eight to three. So that's fun. It's Miami versus Miami of Ohio. That's a tough game for A and M at it is. Miami. It it's is a tough place to play. They're what's even crazier is they're four-point road favorites against an ACC team uh, in Miami, who, who's coming off a huge win, who won thirty-eight to three against uh, Miami of Ohio. So. The offense, however, they looked fantastic, which is we did not say last year about A&M. <laughs> they got elite receivers. They just need to have enough guys be able to block, right? I mean, they lost a lot of guys last year to injury, so it'll be fascinating to see. I was more impressed with their defense than I was the offense. I mean, they got they – got, they on got, the back end, they're pretty damn elite. They better be good. They've had two number one recruiting classes out of the last four years. Um, Bobby Petrino's called the plays now. I think that's going to help a lot. It showed the first week. And they're going to have a ton of success doing it. I'm sure Jimbo's going to handle that with all the grace and humility. As he always does. <laughs> As he always does. He's just the most gracious person. Um, What's going to be crazy is they're going to have a great season. They're going to Offense is going to rip it up. Petrino's going to get all the credit, and it's going to be just fun to watch how Jimbo handles it. What's going to happen is that uh, they're going to win the SEC, and then I'm going to have to shave my head. Oh, that, wouldn't that be something? I don't know. I mean, the whole Petrino thing. I mean, I know Jimbo got a lot of credit or hate last year for everything that was going on with the offense, but it's really hard to run an offense when you have as many guys go down as they did. I mean, yeah, especially true. when you're talking about kids. It is. You know, they're not really familiar with the playbook or running the playbook or a certain style. So there was a learning curve, and they had to dial a lot of stuff back last year. So, again, it's like all these teams, right? It's Great fodder we can talk, but if you don't stay healthy, you got no chance. And see, I think that's Jimbo's point of contention, right? I think Jimbo is like to his higher ups, why are you making me hire this guy? It was injuries. Right. And I don't think they necessarily cared what the reason was. We're changing something. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's why he's gotta be a little bit I don't know. It just kind of eats at him a little bit that he was forced to do something that he didn't necessarily want to do. Well, and I think that's, that's kind of a common theme right now with college football is coaches being put into uncomfortable situations or having to change the entire landscape. Like you see with Dabo Sweeney, who's like, I'm not going to the transfer portal. Right. I'm not doing that. He just got killed right. on Monday night by Duke, of all people. Right. Like they didn't even belong in that game uh, with how bad Clemson played. So I know my friend in, in North Carolina is going to get – or in – uh, that goes to Clemson is going to get mad that I said Clemson and not Clemson. But uh, it's all about putting coaches in uncomfortable situations right now. Yeah. And every coach is uncomfortable with the way that con college football works and they have to adapt or die. Well, I, well, I, I, wait, I think I learned something here. So the, like, there's a regional thing in South Carolina that you got to say Clemson. It's Clemson. Well, it's not I as, learned something new today. Not as you taught me that. People, people that go to Clemson 
will get mad at you if you say Clemson like and kind of use it as a Z instead of a hard S, a Clemson. Same with Barbara Clemson. Streisand. Streisand. <laughs> Who's uh, that? Uh, the other, yeah. <laughs> I forgot my. Even I, I know who that is. Oh, Jimbo, as you said, I, I will make this argument till the day I die. Jimbo's not uncomfortable. He's got ninety-eight million dollars. He's got dollars. eighty-five buyout coming. There's um, nobody in the world who's uncomfortable who knows if they fire you, you're going to get a check for eighty-five million dollars. I don't know. <laughs> All right, so. Last thing before we get out, I learned something interesting about Don yesterday when I was giving out the rundowns. Why do you hate fantasy football? I don't hate fantasy football. I hate hearing about your fantasy football <laughs> or your fantasy football team. I hate That's hearing fair. about fantasy football. <laughs> I don't hate fantasy football. I think it's cool that when I played it, uh, I played it with my son when he was in, in middle school and high school. It was a father-son thing we did with some other dads and friends. It, it made me better at knowing rosters and people in the league there's Absolutely. no question it helped me it helped me in my job i don't have the time to invest in it on a weekly basis that's the reason i don't do it but when i'm working and i'm busy or whatever and perry edwards <laughs> comes in and starts talking about any new receivers <laughs> i reach for the revolver to blow my head off no we don't want to do that either <laughs> Don't do this it at home. It drives no, me went, absolutely crazy. Chuck and I had our draft yesterday out of a league that was just like spurned from born again in like in like 10 seconds. This league came yeah. together here at work. And so we had a draft last night at 8 o'clock and all of us were working. Like half of the league was working at least. And I'm sitting there trying to type up my story while, while Patrick Mahomes went first overall. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Um, but so is, t- is seven leagues too many? Oh my God. Not if you can handle it. I'm I in, think we need to ask seven. Jordan if seven leagues is too many. I'm in seven leagues. I told our my boss, Brian, um, that if I ever call out during the football season, it's probably going to be because I have a lot of roster moves to make. And he said, just don't tell me the reason. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I'll make sure to do all of my roster moves right next to Don Harris. So, yes. Or come down <laughs> and tell me how great your team's doing. Yeah. Chuck, and I, Chuck yeah. and I are going against each other the week one. So, wait. Oh, really? So, so Madison. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> Who are your receivers? I oh, have, did somebody get hurt? I have CD Lamb. You had to bench team. somebody and put somebody else <laughs> or, in. And... Are you a great GM but a lousy head coach? Yeah. <laughs> so is there a wager between uh, Churchill and Madison this week? We were trying to think of something that we should probably throw down How about on, this? But... Next Wednesday, Loser Sings the Winner's Fight Song. Oh, I don't even remember the Madison Fight I'll, Song. I, I can look it up. I like right, singing, I'll, I'll so that words. doesn't – I don't care. I mean, I would love to sing Chuck's Fight Song. Uh, okay, how about one bar – of the other schools. Fight how song. about we don't have to put anybody how in about massive pain. B- a bag of dots pretzels? You love those things. <laughs> or your snack of choice. All right, can how of about... snuff. Can of snuff. Okay. okay. Against and a... I'm gonna have to call Melissa to get permission. <laughs> and, and a bar of the fight song. All right. Okay. Snuff. There one, we go. One bar of the fight song. One bar of the fight song. All right. Well, that's it Peace for this out. this episode of Sneaker Cleats Podcast. We will be back on Monday to recap the wild weekend of football. Um, Cowboys, Longhorns, Aggies, Roadrunners, and Bobcats. If you you know, if you like the Bobcats, uh, remember to download, rate, subscribe, give us some feedback. You can download the podcast. Where can you download the podcast, Don? Uh, you can download it anywhere you get your podcast, Thank including you. Apple and Spotify. <laughs> anywhere you get your podcast, and on YouTube. We'll see you right back here on Monday in the Sneakers Clicks Podcast.